prayer really work? Can prayer actually change our real-world situations? Is it okay for us to set prayer goals? Things we want to achieve and then pray and ask God to help us get there? Or is that a selfish way to pray? Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Prayer Changes So we're in this series, Prayer and uh, prayer Changes Things, and I uh, prayed about what to share. And uh, I've got a, a good Bible story that I want to kind of launch from. Uh, but I also just wanted to mention, though, besides my uh, duties here at the church, I also work at Hope Mission. And I really, I love it. Like, I love it. And uh, Gateway is a strategic partner with Hope Mission. And we'll be doing, I don't know if it'll be a food drive or socks or whatever, but in the past we have done that. And people say, well, what do you do at Hope Mission? I, I don't do much, honestly. Um, we, uh, they got me working the door, so I don't know why. Probably because of my winning personality. But if people are rowdy, when, I, when they come to the door and they see me, they just calm right down. I don't know why. And uh, from time to time, we get a crisis call over the radio. So if someone's being violent or they're acting inappropriately, I usually just show up and put on like rubber gloves and just stand there and everyone just chills. Like, I don't know. What, it must be my smile, I think. Am I right? So... So a few, a few weeks ago, there's this dude that's there, and he lives in a tent across the street. And he is a tough-looking guy. <laughs> and his voice is even kind of gruff like this, and he talks like this, which adds to the intimidation factor. And one day, I was working the door, and he was coming in for breakfast. And um, I thought, I heard a, the, the door actually hit him in the back. And I heard this, and I looked, and I'm like, this is a knife with like a seven inch blade on it and I thought that is so weird he must have thought we were having steak this you know steak and eggs this morning and then so that was breakfast and then it's I didn't say anything I just put it away and then at supper time the same dude comes in and he's got a bag and I'm like by then I knew his name and I said so and so what is dude what's in your what's in your bag like it was like a lululemon bag or whatever you know those and uh and I'm like, that's not an umbrella. That's a very unusual handle. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, nothing, nothing. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is that? And he's like, I'm sorry, okay? I forgot that I had it. And I reach into the bag and I pull out a freaking tomahawk, like with a sharp blade, wooden handle. And I'm like, what are you doing with this, man? Like, why are you bringing this in here to eat supper? I'm like, is it okay if I just hold on to it and give it back to you? You know, Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Well, the good news is, is that since I've had interactions with this guy numerous times, and when he was super agitated and freaking out, I was like, hey, man, do you want to talk? What's up? Now he's my best friend in the whole world. And he told me, he told me the other day, he's like, Jackson, you need anything, you just tell me. Just tell me. I'm not a thief, but I know lots of thieves. And he said... He said, I'm telling the truth. He said, I can get you anything. I mean, you name it. I'll get it for you. And then a few minutes later, he is getting ready to fight someone else in the shelter. It's like, he's like, you talk like that. And he's yelling. And I'm like, 
whoa, okay, let's all calm down. They had been patted down. I knew they had no weapons. Let's all calm down. He's like, I'm sorry, Jackson, but he said something about you. He called you a goof, and I'm not going to put up with anyone talking about my friend like that. So I figured uh, he's a good guy to be on my side, right? Um, so, so watch for that as we, um, you know, as, as the snow flies and all that stuff. Um, so I want to, first of all, before I jump into the, the biblical narrative, the story that I want to share from, I want to talk about, because part of this series is, is trying to equip you, right, to give you tools for prayer. And um, prayer and learning to pray, you know, first of all, let me say that, it's, it's learned. It's, a, it's something that is learned. You know, you're born again into the kingdom of God, and then you learn. Just like a baby has to learn how to walk and all that kind of stuff, you have to learn. And if you're a new Christian, you have to learn how to pray. And so I know that Pastor Martin and, and, and that, you know, he's given, he's talked about, you know, praying in tongues and praying in through the scripture and that kind of stuff. But I want to spend a couple minutes talking about a prayer practice that I call sitting with Jesus. And... Um, I would encourage, like, if you have been filled with the Spirit and you speak in tongues, I as well. I have, you know, God gave me that a number of years ago. And uh, I, I do, like Pastor Martin was saying, I was, he was saying that he's driving in his car and he's praying in the Spirit and, and going on walks and praying in the Spirit. And this morning I was, I was, I, was, I just, I have a habit. I was, if I'm driving to church, I'm going to be praying. So I'm praying in tongues. And all of a sudden they hear from the back seat, I'm driving, I'm driving, my family's in the vehicle, I hear from the back seat. Father, father is praying in tongues. What are you doing? And I'm like, it's my eight-year-old. I forgot. Did I tell you that they're all trying to do British accents now? I'm not even joking. I walk in the home and they're talking. I'm like, where, what world am I in right now? And so when she's in the accent mode, my, she'll come, father, 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 how are you? Anyway, it's ridiculous. Being a dad, you feel like I should write a book about it. Um, so, so, so this exercise, and, and if you um, if you have been around Gateway for a while, you remember when Dr. Brad Jerzak came and he shared about listening prayer, and so I learned some of that from him. But I also, um, any time that I've had opportunity to read a book about prayer or take a seminar or a conference, I've always tried to do that, and not because I'm a pastor, <laughs> because I'm a Christian. <laughs> And uh, so a, a few years ago, I had the honor to go down to St. Joseph, Missouri to Pastor Brian Zahn's church. And he, he does what's, I think he still does it, what's called a prayer school. And it was extremely impactful for my life. And, and was so much, I remember flying uh, with my wife, Joy, and we're flying, not like we were in an airplane, we weren't actually flying, just so you know. I don't want you to get confused. Um, and there was this like lightning storm. And I remember looking out the window and I don't know if, if it was the pizza or the cheese or the, but I'm like, it looked like as the lightning is flashing, the, the clouds are in the shape of men or people like kneeling down and praying. And so it was an extremely impactful experience, um, just like even leading up to it and then spending time learning from this guy. And so he talked about this idea of sitting with Jesus and in this, that you would use your imagination Close your eyes, return to the beginning, which is breathing. I think a lot of the reason we get so much anxiety and all that we're all on edge is because we forget that the beginning was like in the beginning, he breathed the breath of life. And a lot of times we're, we don't even breathe deeply. We just, because <laughs> we're stressed out all the time. And, and so just returning to that, like, 
I mean, I feel better. Like, I feel more relaxed, not that I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling actually pretty, like, pretty fly for a white guy, if you know what I'm saying right now. I'm telling you what. I wasn't going to say this in the first service because I thought that some of them might get offended, but some of you are just way too white, okay? You need a little bit of, like, I work with a lot of Africans and, like, those guys got rilla. Like, anyway, some of us just need a little bit of, you got me. Okay, so sitting with Jesus. (laughs) You've breathed, you've calmed yourself, now you're using your imagination that you're sitting and, and Jesus is sitting across from you. That you could do this in two minutes, you could do it in 20 minutes, maybe it'll take two hours, I don't know. But I would encourage you to add this into your tool pack or your toolbox of prayer. That just comes from sitting with Jesus and just like being like, Lord, what do you want to share with me? I can't tell you the amount, I've taught this for years now, I can't tell you the amount of people that have said, man, I had the biggest breakthrough, or I was wrestling with this issue my whole Christian life, and just in those moments, sitting with Jesus, there's just like a boom, transformation. And and, uh, Pastor Brian Zahn, he says, I do it twice a week. He says, did I say I don't do it twice a week because I'm not that organized? I'm repeating myself because this is the second service, so... If I repeat myself three times, you have to forgive me. Because if you don't, you won't go to heaven anyway. So, <laughs> so sitting with Jesus, Pastor Brian, he said, sometimes then I'll, I'll think of a situation that's causing me angst. And I'll just, or a person that's attacking me. Or some, and I'll just let that person or that situation come into the room. And now I'm sitting in a room with Jesus and that situation. I'll tell you, ever since I've started practicing this, that if I've had a situation with someone, believe it or not, sometimes people don't like pastors. Sometimes they want to say nasty things about us. It's fine. Like, we get it. We have thick skin. But I've never had an experience where I've been sitting with Jesus and brought someone into that room where I haven't suddenly been filled with compassion for that person or gained an understanding or brought in that into that kind of prayer exercise or prayer experience where I haven't, like, you know, gained insight. So that's quick, that was like a, I don't know, however many minute teaching on listening prayer. And now let's look to the scriptures. Judges, chapter six, verses one to 13. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and all the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, and cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes... uh, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cleared out, sorry, cleared out, cried out to the Lord for help. When they cried out to the Lord, because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He, he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. And I drove, you, drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But have not, you have not listened to me. 
Then an angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpha, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Now you know why the tree was that. There you go. If you're trying to come up with something about a party, you could talk about this tree because it belonged to this guy. This is a way to pick up a girl. Did you know there's this tree? Anyway, don't do that. <laughs> which belonged to Joash of the clan. Uh, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? <laughs> I'm just checking if you're awake. Uh, and where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Lord, where are you? <laughs> like we have these promises. But sometimes it just feels like you're not even there. <laughs> if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? And where are the miracles our ancestors have told us about? Have you ever felt a little bit like Gideon? We say, you know, I'm going to take these promises and I'm going to prepare them. God, like, where are you? And I want to encourage you, if you're, maybe you're feeling like that, or maybe you've felt like that in the past, hate to break it to you, but you might feel like that again in the future. That God's answer to Gideon is this, that I am with you. Now, why were these people, let's be clear, why were the people in the situation that they were in? They were in the situation that they were in because they had turned to idol worship. And so because of that, God's like, okay, See, I don't think that God does control. <laughs> I just don't think, I, don't, I think God is love, and he's not love but this, this. I don't, and I don't think that God is like, but he's, I think that God is like, okay, if that's what you want, then I'm just going to back off. And so then they find themselves, can you imagine, I like the, the wording there, it was like locusts. These enemies just come in and would just wipe them out. And here is Gideon, and he's, Threshing wheat, but he, you know, you know, if you thresh wheat, where do you do it? You do it outside in the wind so that you can throw it up in the chaff and the wind blows away the chaff. He's hiding in a wine press. And this angel shows up and says, God's with you. You know that. And, and, and uh, so God is sympathetic, but he only just takes the time to say, I am with you. So stop now and breathe a sigh of relief and realize this that God is with you. And that means that like there's a whole bunch of things that you could get caught up in as far as details, but don't lose sight of the truth of this fact that no matter what you're walking through today, no matter what challenges you will face tomorrow, no matter what you are you are not the sum of all of your mistakes or any of those things. First and foremost, remember this truth that God is with you. He that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? One of the greatest truths of Scripture is that when God looks at us, he does not see us for what we are, but what we can become as he works in our, our lives. Listen to me. God is a diamond miner. 
When someone is mining for diamonds, they don't get sidetracked with the dirt that they got to get out of the way. And as God, I found this, that as God works with my life, he's not like, oh, this is, Jack, what are you, you got this in the way you got? No, he's like, I'm going for the diamond. Listen, you might not feel like it this morning, but you are a gem. You are precious. You are exceedingly valuable in the eyes of God. And he loves you. And he has a plan. Don't ever forget that he is with you. And the you that God sees, you might see yourself as, I am the sum of all of my mistakes. I am what my grade 10 teacher said I was. I am what that coach said I was, or whatever. No, 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 no. God sees the potential. He's building a masterpiece in you, with you. You are the masterpiece. So if God be for us, who can be against us? Next slide. Romans, Paul is exhorting, if it was Paul who wrote Romans. That got me in trouble in an interview once. Anyway. <laughs> what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? No, 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 no. Don't get caught up in the details and forget about the truth. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And hold on one second. Maybe you've heard that passage a million, read that scripture quoted a million times, but think about it and let it penetrate your soul today. If God is with you, who really can be against you? You think about it, weighing the odds, the God of the universe, problems. I'm thinking we're gonna be okay. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Maybe today you walked in here and the loudest voice in your life is the voice of the accuser. And all you hear is, you did this, and you said that, and you went there, and you're never gonna change, and you're never gonna get better, and you're never this, and you're never that. And you know what? Just like Gideon, Gideon's answer, Gideon says to this angel, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I am the, my father is the least in his tribe. I am the least in my father's household, and you're calling me a hero? If God is with you, if he's called you, if he's chosen you, you just tell that voice of the accuser to shut it. It's very effective. Just say, shut it. My daughter one time was arguing with her older brother, and I don't know why they're arguing. They do it all the time. You think it's like their favorite pastime. She goes like this. She's like, you know what? You better step off, and you better back off, LeBron James. I was like, I don't know where she got that from, but it's, it's effective. Um, just tell that voice. Um, the truth is that there are details, but God dances in the details. Don't get caught up in details and forget about truth. God is with you. Let me address the elephant in the room, which in reality is this. Let's just, can we just agree that my beard is awesome? Can we, that's just, I know you guys are all thinking. <laughs> that's not the elephant in the room. So what about when I pray and I don't get the answer that I thought? So what about when I'm like, I'm believing God, I'm believing God, I'm believing God, and it didn't, that didn't work out the way that I thought it would? Well, one, you've got to remember this, that, that God is with you. And incidentally, when I was preparing this, I thought, I need to mention this. So when I first started dating my wife, I didn't know... I, knew what a, I didn't know what an ultimatum was. I just didn't know that that's what it was called. And 
we were arguing about something and we don't argue anymore. Once we got married, we stopped arguing and now, and if you are married and you argue, that's a joke. You should argue. If you have something to fight about, that's a good thing. Anyway, I gave her this ultimatum. She's like, I don't do ultimatums. Well, of course, she said it more. She was like, I don't do ultimatums, right? Because you've met my wife. She's, and I don't do ultimatums. And I was like, I don't even know what she's saying. I'm just saying, if you don't do this, then I... And, and I thought about that in my memory, and I, thought, I felt like God was like, you know, there's people who they give God ultimatums. And it's like, God, I will go to church, and I will, I'll give, and I'll, I'll worship, and I'll read my Bible, but... You have to do this for me. God does not do ultimatums. I know a guy who, I used to meet with him for coffee and stuff like that, and he, he's just so negative. Like, he's like, oh, every day I pray that I get cancer and die, and God is always, God hates me, and it's like, man, maybe God doesn't have anything to do with it. Maybe your attitude needs to be checked. Anyway, so, t- see, tough times last. Sorry, no, they don't. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Um, okay, so Judges uh, 14 to 18. Did I read that already? I'm getting brain fog. Okay, let's pick it up. Okay, so I, that's what. Okay, so for the sake of time, I'm going to go on the story. So what happens is God calls, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel, for I am sending you. So long story short, the Lord replied, uh, how can, yeah, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest, I said that. My whole tri- uh, the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I'll be with you, and you'll destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So okay, let me just <clears throat> talk through what happened. So then um, Gideon basically, because he doesn't want to be like, okay, did you really hear from God? Because sometimes people are like, I heard from God. This is what it is. But he's like, well, he does, he's like, okay, I'm, I want to test this. Because I've met people, when I was in Bible college, it was amazing how many of my friends, God told them that that was the girl they were going to marry. And they would freak that girl out. That girl was not interested. And by the way, going up to a girl and saying, hey, God told me we're getting married. Want to go on a date? It's like, turn down your creep, creepiness, right? Like, so make sure God has told you, right? And so Gideon kind of puts out this fleece and tries it out. You can read the story if, you, if you're on. Anyway, basically what happens is he gets, gets ready and he's going to go fight Midian. And he's got about 30,000 soldiers with him. And um, so he, and he ends up shrinking down this army of 30,000 soldiers because God kind of says to him, you know what, if, if, you, if you're this, this many, then it's going to look like you guys had just a natural victory and, I, victory. and I want it to be clear that I'm the one who did the saving here. And so from 30,000 trimmed down to 300 soldiers. Let's pick it up. Judges 7. Next slide. So Gideon pr- collected the provisions and the ram's horns of the other warriors, and he sent them home. But he kept 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. Now hold on a second. What is happening with Gideon right now? In this story, in this narrative, what's he doing? He's talking to God. What is talking to God? 
There's another word. It's called praying. So he goes down and he is gonna, he, he overhears and he hears this story and, um, and the story is that like, this, these two guys are talking and one of them says, I had this dream that this big loaf of wheat came down and came into the camp and it hit a tent and crushed it. And the other guy says, oh, you know what I think that is? I think that's about that's this guy Gideon. Like I hear like, wow, what are we gonna do? And so Gideon goes, he tells his men, this is what we're gonna do. We have ram's horns, we have, they had torches and they had clay pots. And he says, all you're gonna do, and to me that represents worship. It's light and noise, baby. Light and noise. Like light and noise. And they're just, like this morning, the lights were going and the noise was happening, right? And that, I don't know, in an atmosphere like this, any darkness, which is like spiritual darkness, which is gone, you know? And so what they do is they run to just make noise. Like, what's your strategy? Well, I'm going to smash this clay thing and run and yell. <laughs> uh which is intimidating enough, like if, a, if I'm just running, like if you're running, someone's just running at you, like it's like, okay, okay, I'm backing up now, you know. Um, so, so they go and, and, um, and the victory, the victory comes. What happened though, like let's just look at this simply. So Gideon has this thing where God tells him something, he calls him to something, uh, there, is a, there is an adjustment where he goes and he rips down the idols, which that, that's interesting in and of itself. And incidentally, an idol is, is anything that you put in place of God, right? And so an idol can be a relationship. If you're, if you're trying to get from a relationship what you can only get from God, and that's like, then, then you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on that relationship. And that person probably, they're not God. And you've got a God-shaped hole, you're not going to get the fulfillment out of that guy or that girl that you were only meant to get from God, okay? So be careful of that. Um, a dream, a hobby, you know, all, none of those things are bad. Having a bigger house, a bigger car, whatever, all those are great. They're good things. They're neutral things. But if we're so fixed on that, that that, that is then, okay, now I'm going to be happy when I get married. Then I'll be happy. Whoo! Okay, I'm going to be happy when I finally have that kid. Okay, when it's a boy, then I'll be happy. Okay. Oh, now I have three boys. Whoa, this thing moved down. Oh, okay. Uh, now, when it's a, if it's a, you know, like there's, if you're always chasing the light at the end or the, you need to learn to just be content where you are and just believe that you can trust and have peace regardless of what's going around, regardless of situations. So, so, you, can you, so he, he walked through obedience and it takes then, you're going to pray and believe God. It's that word called trust. Trust that God knows what's best. And sometimes the answer isn't always what we wanted. It's so stupid. I remember being in like grade seven and I had this crush on this girl. And I remember going to bed and being like, Lord, and it was before that Garth Brooks song. Remember that Garth Brooks song, I Thank God for Unanswered Prayers? <laughs> the song is basically, it was my story. Well, it didn't actually. He had this girl that he liked. He prayed that if God would make her his, he'll serve him his whole life. And then, anyway, I'm, I, long story short, I didn't marry that girl. I'm really glad that I didn't. And I'm really happy with who I'm married with. But I was praying to marry, oh Lord, please. You know, in my pre-pubescent, all teenagers are basically walking gland bags. Do you know that? Like, they're just hormones. 
And why are they like that? Because they're crazy. They're, actually, I think they're crazy. They got so much hormones going through them. They're like, what? Anyway, at least it was me and all my friends. That's how we were. <laughs> so at the end of it, it's like, Lord, I don't, I don't, what is the answer? You know, I've, I've got, got this desire. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. At the end of it, our job is to pray and then trust God. You can't force anything. Prayer is not, uh, what do you call those gaming things? You know, kids and adults play them. Whatever they are, you know those. Yeah, Xbox, like the remote, remote control. Prayer is not the remote control to be like, okay, God, ding, ding, ding. Oh, yay. It's not. Don't worry about anything. So our job is, yeah, pray with faith. Have faith and believe and all that. But our job is this, to not worry about anything. That's hard to do, but you can do it if, this is what I love about the Bible. It doesn't just say do it. It's like, this is why. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This peace will guard our hearts and minds, will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ. Amen. Uh, I'm going to close with a personal story. So, a few years ago, my older brother was in a super sketchy situation. He was on the wrong side of the law, doing terrible things, (laughs) selling things that made people happy for a period of time until they came off of them. Um, anyway, he's living in Calgary, and my mom said to me one Sunday, that was still when I was pastoring the church on the south side, she said to me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go pick up your brother. And I was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't go by yourself. So, <laughs> so it was um, Easter weekend. We go and we head down, and we, we find him. He's, he's at this, like, safe, this, this farm, and he needs to go get some stuff, some of his clothes and stuff like that, and it's at his house in, in Calgary. And so we, we pull up, and he says, what I'm going to do is um, you might need to call the police when I get there because there's, like, I know there's a couple shotguns there, and there's a couple pistols, and I know they're loaded. So when I go into the house, maybe just call the police. And I'm like, dude, I have to preach Easter Sunday tomorrow. Like, I'm thinking going up to a house with loaded weapons is probably not the best idea. So we call the police, and it turns out, yeah, they knew the house. They'd been watching it for three months or something like that. And next thing you know, we're sitting in this vehicle, and we're surrounded by Calgary's finest. Anyway, we, uh, we, get, we get him out of the situation. We take him somewhere safe. Everything is kosher, and we're driving back up to Edmonton. And my mom says, wow. He sure got himself into a situation this time, didn't he? And I said, yeah, he did. And then she looked at me and she said, why did we, why did we go to Calgary? And I was like, damn, Toto, we are not in Kansas anymore. I said, mom, we went to Calgary to get Alfred. Oh, right, 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 right. She went through a series of tests and we thought that, Maybe it was a concussion or something like that. And it wasn't. And we were hoping and we were praying and we were believing that it was just something that she could get better from. And uh, 
it wasn't. It was early onset at her age. And I held it to, I've held it together pretty good. Because I thought, well, I talked to her on the phone and uh, I can just like tell her stories and make her laugh. And But I had gone the other day to pick her up and I came to the door and she looked at me and she didn't even recognize me. And then... I phoned her like a couple days later and she couldn't even put two sentences together and I, I got off the phone and I just freaking ugly cried. Like I ugly cried. And then I just kind of was like, well, I, f- I feel better. <laughs> I don't know why. She went to church. She gave. She was the most wonderful godly woman still is why did that happen I have no freaking clue but I'll tell you something I'm not going to let that affect my faith faith is that possession of a fighting spirit it's like you know what I can smack talk the devil all the way out the door like I'm not going to allow a few circumstances of life or something that I find confusing to slow me down or drag me down. Yeah, once in a while, you should have a good, ugly cry. That's healthy. Let it just wash you out and flush you out. But my God, don't stay laying down. Don't stay a victim. Get up and begin to walk. Start to put one foot in front of the other and decide, today's going to be a good day in Jesus' name. And no matter what comes against me, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Begin to just roar like a lion. Why don't you stand today? Stand up with me. Let's pray. Prayer changes things. So we look to you, miracle maker. Lord, we thank you that you are supernatural. You're a supernatural God. You are a good father. Lord, you're with us, not against us. Lord, you've got a good plan. And we thank you that you're in the waiting. And Lord, we thank you that you're with us. Can somebody shout amen today? Amen.